This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. You're listening to Randy Zuckerberg Means Business on Business Radio. Welcome back to Randy Zuckerberg Means Business. I'm Randy Zuckerberg here on SiriusXM Channel 132 Business Radio. We're talking today all about robotics, all the big trends in the industry. We were just chatting with Clayton Wood, who's the CEO of Picnic, a robotic startup that's automating making pizzas. They can make 300 pizzas an hour. We're now all starving in the studio here, craving pizza, thanks to Clayton. But it's really interesting what, what he was describing and how they're addressing some of the challenges in the food industry. I'm so thrilled now to welcome to the show our next guest, Keith Shaw, an award-winning tech journalist. Keith is currently a senior editor at Robotics Business Review, a website that covers the commercial and industrial robotics landscape. I'm excited to learn a lot. Thank you so much, Keith, for joining us. Hi, Randy. Thanks for having me on the show. It's great to have you. Um, To all our awesome listeners out there, remember, uh, you can join us on social media for any of your questions, uh, either on Twitter or Instagram, at Randy Zuckerberg. Or you can be old school and call us on the phone, 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. Keith, um, how did you first get excited about robotics? Well, so I've been a journalist for about uh, 25 years now, and I've worked for a different uh, bunch of newspapers and technology trade publications. I've always been fascinated by technology, so I I, I think that's how I got into the whole technology trade publication uh, journalism aspect. And uh, so I was working with another reporter at Computer World, and we were creating videos related to robotics. And we covered the two phases of the DARPA Robotics Challenge, uh, which was looking at ways that robots can be used to address disaster situations. The whole thing was developed because of the Fukushima nuclear reactor accident, where they were trying to use robots to help go in to, to clean up the site. And a lot of the early robots were failing, and so that's why they had this DARPA Robotics Challenge uh, to try to find new ways and uh, that robots could could do things like climb stairs and and open doors and and use a drill and things like that. So you know, as part of covering that for Computer World, I developed an interest in covering robotics more. And in 2018, I was hired at Robotics Business Review, and what I do is I basically uh, write about the robotics companies in the sector and the industry. I love it. So I, I feel like the media headlines tend to be very provocative around robots, like they're they're taking our jobs or, it, you know, we're, we're going to have like, uh, you know, they're going to turn on us. Um, but what are some of the ways that you're seeing that that robots are making our lives better and that we might be surprised where robotics is playing a big role? Yeah, I, I think the, the big areas, uh, you know, robots have already had an impact in manufacturing and electronics assembly. Um, and again, they're, they're not necessarily taking away jobs. I, mean, we, I get this question all the time. Um, in the big picture sense, you know, the answer is no, they're not going to be take, taking everybody's jobs. You know, I always picture, I, I always start to chuckle because I, I, I picture that someone's going to open a door and there's going to be a thousand robots and they're all going to be like, we're here to take your jobs. And that's <laughs> the case. I mean, you know, for the most part, I think any anybody that works in a job that, that uh, requires creativity or empathy or some of those softer skills uh, don't really have to worry about. What, what they are going to be doing in, in the future, uh, and they're doing a lot of that now, are replacing tasks. And these what and we and the industry calls these the dangerous, dirty, or dull tasks. 
Um, these are usually menial tasks that are performed over and over again. Uh, in the automotive industry, you know, robots have been doing this for you know more than 40 years, uh, and yet there are still a lot of humans that work on assembly lines, and they're performing the tasks that robots can't do. So I think a lot of the the you know the hype around robot robots and robots taking jobs is usually just kind of like media driven, you know, headline writing that type of that that type of thing. There is a concern, you know, in some spaces. Uh, where there might be some areas where robots will, will take people's jobs, like in the service industry, uh, things like that. But I think that they're also uh, they're, the industry is also addressing that through training and other types of, of uh, initiatives for, for reskilling the, the employees that might be displaced. Definitely. Um, what, are the, what are some of the big areas that you're really excited about right now that robotics is having a big impact? Uh, in the, within the last five years, they've had a huge impact on the supply chain industry. Uh, warehouse distribution centers that uh, handle e-commerce and brick-and-mortar retailers, and you can just blame Amazon for all of that. Um, <laughs> in 2012, they bought a company called Kiva Systems, uh, which uses robots to move racks of products to the people that are packing an order. And the, the inclusion of robots and the growth of the distribution centers for Amazon has created the ability to get your packages, you know, uh, two-day through Amazon Prime or one day even in some areas, and Amazon looking at same-day delivery. Uh, a lot of that is basically because of, of robots and how they've been able to, to improve efficiencies. But at the same time, they've also been able to address a labor shortage in, in the warehouse space. Um, we all know that warehouse work is not the best kind of job for someone. Is you know, You're in a hot warehouse most of the time. You're walking a lot. And a lot of these robot companies that uh, were created after Amazon bought Kiva and took them off the market a lot of co- companies that started after that are, are addressing that concern, you know, addressing that labor shortage that happened where uh, instead of walking around a lot, you now have robots that, that will move the materials for you. And so as a, as a person who's picking orders or packing orders, you just usually just stay in one place. I, I, all right. So the next time that I'm like going on Amazon and I'm going to get my package tomorrow or two days, I have robots to thank for that. Yeah, and I think you know this, the the holiday season that just ended was a, was a big kind of like tipping point for a lot of of these companies to see whether or not robots could handle the increase in e-commerce orders that happened. And I think for the most part, we're we're seeing that yeah, robots were up to the task. So a lot of these things we're talking about now are kind of behind-the-scenes things that that robots are doing. Do you think that robots are going to become more public-facing, or is that where people start to get a little weird about them? I think there's a debate about – uh, on both sides of the of, of the of the industry, I think there are some that will that that say that they will kind of stay behind the scenes in a lot of uh, industries. But um, you know, there are others that say, no, 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 we're going to see more r- robots uh, interacting with people. I think where you're going to see the most impact in a public facing sense would be in uh, the retail space. Uh, there's a lot of uh, robots that are being deployed in grocery stores and other types of, of uh, retail establishments where they will go up and down the aisles and they'll scan for inventory. Uh, mm. and, and the problem that they're addressing is the out-of-stock issue. So imagine if you're going to a grocery store and, you know, and you really want to get like taco mix uh, or, or something like that or, or taco shells. Uh, and then you get to the, you know, the aisle and it's gone. And, you, you know, you're kind of annoyed by that. Or if you're in like a Walmart or a Target, for example, and, and you can't find, you know, the shampoo that you've been looking for. So what these robots do uh, is scan the aisles. And then when they find something that's out of stock, they will alert an associate and the associate will say, oh, I've got to restock this. And so 
it's like a trillion dollar industry, uh, problem that the industry is facing, and a lot of these robots are now are, are being deployed. Walmart just announced that they're going to be doing uh, upping their order to a thousand robots just for that purpose of scanning uh, shelves to make sure that they remain in stock. I love that. And I actually, I just went through my first experience going through fully automated uh, passport control when I arrived in Australia and there was like not a human in sight. It was just all like robotic passport control and it it moves so smoothly and so quickly. I've never seen a passport control line that moved that way. And so I, I was like, yes, yes, thank you to our robot overlords. This is a much better process. Um, Keith, maybe you can take us through a little bit of um, – we, we tend to lump artificial intelligence and robotics into the same sentence, but maybe you can just give us a little crash course on kind of the difference there and how it, it's affecting the field of robotics. Sure. Uh, you know, AI is basically used as a blanket term for a lot of different software tasks, and it's not just robotics that AI is affecting. It's, it's almost, AI is affecting almost – Every industry now, uh, you know, from, you know, you think about it, there's probably an AI algorithm out there that will address it. Uh, specifically, you know, in robotics, we look at uh, machine learning and deep learning, which are ways, uh, you know, to train a robot into, into doing something. So what we see is, uh, for example, in the, in the scanning inventory um, thing that I just talked about, uh, we see AI being used to basically uh, the software will scan a shelf and will then analyze the pictures of the, of the of the items on the shelf, and then they'll match it to the database. So remember all a lot of the work that Google is doing in, ter- in terms of training an AI how to recognize a cat or how yes, to recognize a dog? exactly, that was, yes. Yeah, so they've taken that same idea and now applied it to products on shelves. So, you know, you've got a database uh, and, a, and, a, and a training set of millions and millions and millions of photos that these, um, and it's training the AI to recognize them quickly so that when it goes down the aisle, it goes, oh, you know, Bottle of bottle of shampoo, uh, oh, package of soap. You know, knows the difference between those two items. And we're mm-hmm. also seeing that in in the self driving space. Obviously, you know, when you're if you're going to get into a self driving car, you're hoping that the car is going to be able to recognize a pedestrian or a, a fire hydrant or a tree. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, we see a lot of these algorithms being applied to that to, to correctly recognize those things. Uh, you know, at, at the autonomous driving, that was going to be my next question to you. For anyone who's just joining us, you're listening to Randy Zuckerberg Means Business here on SiriusXM Business Radio 132. We're speaking with Keith Shaw, an award-winning tech journalist, senior editor at Robotics Business Review. Um, Keith, one of the things that was so fascinating, we did a, a whole show on, on autonomous driving uh, last year. And uh, one of the things I thought was so funny is they said that any passenger, when they get out, they, they say thank you to the car. Like as if it has a soul. And so because everyone wanted to thank the car and talk to it, they have to build like microphones along the outside of the car so it can kind of be responsive to that. Um, I mean, is it surprising to you that kind of that humans want to interact with robots in a way that's like has empathy and a soul? Uh, no, not not at all. I, you know, we, we hear that in other spaces, too. I think uh, as human beings, we want to um, give our machines names. I mean, people have given their uh, cars names for years. Um, I, I think that, you know, with robots, you know, a lot of the expectations are that they're going to be, you know, friendly and they're going to be like the Star Wars robots. They're going to, you know, be happy and stuff. So I, I'm not surprised that, that, that people are doing that when they get out of a self-driving car. <laughs> um, so realistically, when do you think we're, we're really going to see uh, autonomous vehicles in the real world? Oh, that's a, that's a that's the the million dollar question for so many companies. Uh, I think we're at the we're at the, the the space now where 
self-driving vehicles are in that early pilot stage, and they're usually only used for uh, closed-loop situations or, or scenarios that can be controlled a lot more than just kind of going out onto the highway and then battling, you know, all the other humans that are driving. So I think in areas where, you know, you're at like a closed loop, like a like an airport, like a shuttle bus type of situation, or we've seen some self-driving vehicle companies uh, address like retirement communities where there's not as much traffic and, and you can sort of, you know, find an application where you can then, you know, help seniors get to the to, to the center in the middle of the retirement village uh, without without as much problems as if you were going to go on to a major highway or, or a downtown city street. Uh, I think we're going to see those before we see large scale kind of like, you know, deployments. I, I don't think I'm going to own an autonomous vehicle <laughs> in my lifetime, but, you know, that might it might happen down the road. But, uh, you know, initially in the short term, it, we're going to see these projects where, they're going to be used in, in, you know, small areas and with less distractions. Absolutely. Okay. So one of the things that I feel like this kind of gets the core to, though, is like trust. Like, will we get to a space where we can really fully trust robots to kind of to, to do things like what what are you what are your senses there? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. I, I think a lot of people end up just trusting machines when they can see that it operates consistently and correctly uh, and correctly. For example, you know, do you do you trust your toaster? Uh, you know, I'd say yes. I think we toast our, you know, when as long as it toasts the bread correctly, uh, you know, I, I don't have a problem with trusting my toaster. Now, do I trust my TV and computer? For the most part, yes. But you know, there are times when the computer will crash, and so I, I think that the level of trust, a lot of it depends on, you know, the the whole the whole concept of of safety. Like, you know, if I'm going to step into a uh, a self-driving car that's a robot that better be almost 100 percent perfect uh, or 99.99999 percent perfect um because obviously there's safety issues around there but for a robot that's just like taking item out, uh, taking items out of a bin and placing it somewhere else uh which is what you see a lot in the in, in the industrial robots you know if it, if it occasionally drops one you know it's not going to kind of kill anybody so I, I think a lot of that trust will be you know, when, when people experience these robots, you know, is it doing what it's supposed to do? Uh, is it doing it correctly? Is it doing it accurately? And I think that's where the trust will, will Totally. And developed. we've seen that people yeah. can be acclimated to, to trust things more like when ATMs and banking, you know, first started incorporating a lot of robotics. I think people had a lot of mistrust. And now, like, I, I, you couldn't imagine not using that. Um, so but, it, yeah, it's one thing to kind of trust your toaster versus trusting like a surgical robot. So I think right. maybe there is, right. you know, the, a spectrum there. Um, Keith, in our final moments together, what are the some of the, the predictions or trends that you're most excited for this year? or in the coming years around robotics? I think in, in the short term, I'm excited about um, seeing more of these robots in the grocery stores and retail locations, but also in robots, whether they're mobile robots or drones that are going to be delivering packages, um, kind of that last mile delivery challenge that a lot of companies are facing. So right now, the robots are in the warehouses distributing, but then at some point it gets onto a, either a UPS or FedEx or a post office truck, and then humans take over to deliver that to that, you know, that, that quote-unquote last mile. Um, but we are seeing companies that are do, you know, doing uh, deliveries, including food deliveries, like local restaurants are doing like pizza deliveries or, or uh, Chinese food deliveries uh, on like a college campus. So if you're at, at you know, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of jealous of college students these days because a lot of these places have you can order off of your app, uh, off of your phone, and a robot will deliver your meal. So you don't have to get up and go and try to find 
uh, someone or, or call for pizza delivery because it'll be delivered by a mobile robot. So I'm excited about that. Ten years from now, you know, it's, it's so hard to predict what's going to happen in ten years. But I think uh, the most exciting thing for me is is the concept of urban air mobility, which gets into the whole flying car scenario that a lot of people have, have envisioned for years. Uh, we're seeing a lot of the technology that was developed for drones, they're now applying that to large aircraft. And so you're going to start seeing kind of like flying drones that will take you, you know, probably dedicated routes to avoid kind of city traffic. Um, but that's exciting, too. And uh, Keith, final question. What is the weirdest or silliest robot that you've covered in, in recent years? You know, I'm always kind of freaked out by the robots that look a little bit too much like humans. Um, I, I think that, you know, I, I'd rather, you know, I'm on the side of a robot not necessarily having a face or not necessarily looking like a human. I'd rather have a robot that can perform its task better than me or, or perform that, that menial task. So when I see some of these robots that have like the human faces or they start talking to me in that way, I'm a little freaked out by that. Um, one other weird kind of robot concept that was, was introduced at CES this year was the Charmin paper, uh, the Charmin toilet yes, paper robot. We covered that at the beginning of the show. We did that. We were asking people if they liked or disliked it, and and it was very mixed. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know if Charmin, if the people at Charmin are actually going to develop that. I think that they wanted to see what people's reactions to that were. But it, again, it's it's a single task. Uh, it's something that probably could be programmed as long as the human remembers to replace the toilet paper roll after the, it gets delivered. Um, but yeah, that's right. I mean, Otherwise, then you're in the same problem that the robot was trying right. to solve. Right, exactly. Um, Keith, where can our listeners go to to keep up with you and and to follow the reporting that you're doing in robotics? Oh, sure. On uh, so on tw- on Twitter, I'm at um, at Shaw Keith. I re- just reversed my name when when I created the Twitter handle. Uh, but then also on roboticsbusinessreview.com is, is basically where I, I post most of my stuff. Uh, and we are also now owned by the robotreport.com. So. Uh, that that's another site that that's part of our overall media uh, company that that covers robotics. Excellent. Well, Keith, thank you so much for joining us on the show. I know I learned a lot, and uh, I'm really grateful for your time and, and sharing with us a lay of the land. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Randy. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 